Children, you're dismissed for Children's Church. Ooh, man, pray for them Children's Church workers. Look at that. Hmm. <laughs> A little hot. verse here, there's a lot of verses you could go to, but this verse here, I don't know, you may, we may, some of those words may not make sense to you, I just wanted to read this verse, I love the bridge of that song, a lot of things incense represent in the, uh, in the Old Testament, they were bur- it was burned in the, uh, in the holy room of the temple all the time, Malachi 1.11 says, from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be made great among the nations, and in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Which you guys, most of you know, that's my favorite name for God in the Old Testament, the Lord of hosts. So, just wanted to share that as we dig in this morning. Uh, We'll be in John chapter 11, all over John chapter 11. We'll start in verse 25. We are past halfway, it's the gain probably, Wes. It's the gain. Um, we are past halfway in this series, um, so we, we've got two more after this on the I Am statements. Jesus had seven I Am statements in the Gospel of John, and, um, and we're looking at all seven of those, and then we'll end with some, some I Am statements that um, don't have a predicate. They don't have anything with them, just that he is. So that's where we've been, that's where we're going, and uh, that's where we're going to be today. I want to say just a few things before we dig into this. Um, I don't, I'm glad that you're here this morning. You're in the right spot. You're right where you should be. Um, I don't know about you, but this was one of those weeks where, you know, well, I was ready for Sunday. It was a busy week. A lot going on. We had funerals and we had weddings, and and uh, some of you still haven't recovered from the middle school lock-in. Um, I think Truett may have will go back into retirement of lock-ins after this week. Amen. But uh, kids had a great time. Had a lot of support in that, which was great. If you didn't know, we had a had a uh, Lock-in Wednesday from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Nobody was allowed to go to sleep. Nobody besides Cash did go to sleep. Um, and by some miracle, nothing was broken in the church, which you fully intend there to be things broken in the church when you have a lock-in. I mean, there's got to be at least one wall. you got a spackle or something, and there wasn't. Um, so that's great. That's, that's cool. But uh, good time. Um, you know, we had senior. We had we had our beast feast a couple of weeks ago, and we had senior Sunday that that next day. So I, I, you know, we wanted to make that the focus. But I haven't had a chance since I was out of town last week. Appreciate that, by the way. Good time with family. It was wonderful. Um, we haven't had a chance to say thank you to everyone who made that go. Uh, the food was wonderful. The ladies did a great job with the decorations. Uh, I mean, it was just great all the way around. A lot of effort went into it. Um, Wayne puts a, his heart and soul into that when we do that and uh, just appreciate it. There, we know there was a ton going on. It was a super busy time of year, uh, which, which you know affected people being able to help and, and attendance and things like that. But man, the people that were there were blessed by a wonderful word from Jeff Danker. Uh, it encouraged me and challenged me. I haven't stopped thinking about it, to be honest. Um, so just wanna say thank you to everyone who made that day possible. You know who you are and um, you know, it's the 10% that does 90% of the work. So we appreciate you and we love you. 
So here's where we are. We're in John. If you're a note taker, go to that website right there and you can take notes along with me. You can have my notes with you. Email them to yourself. So where have we been? Jesus has said so far, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. And two weeks ago, we looked at I am the good shepherd. So today, we're looking at Jesus said, the fifth statement of the seven, I am the resurrection and the life. If you've ever been to a funeral, you've probably heard this, this section of scripture quoted for a good reason, because it very much fits in that situation. So you've probably heard this, and it's a very well-known scripture. We're going to dig into it a little bit today, and I think there might be something in it for all of us as we dig into that today. So G John chapter 11, verse 25, if you're there with me, say, I'm there. I'm there. Hot dog, we're awake this morning. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die, ever. Do you believe this? Father, I come to you this morning, and I, and I pray, Lord, uh, as every, every preacher of your word prays every Sunday, God, that you would speak to me and through me, that you would use me as a vessel and nothing else, Lord, that all that we would walk away today saying is that Jesus is worth everything, nothing else, God, that we would, that we would truly have a heart that says you are worthy of it all, God. From you are all things and to you are all things, God. You're worthy of it all. May that be our heart as we walk out of here today, God. And we pray that if someone is here today in this building, watching through the camera live or watching later on uh, in the interwebs, God, that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, they do not know you as the resurrection and the life, that today when they hear these words would be the day of salvation, that they would proclaim that you are their Lord and Savior and no one else. God, we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus ends this with a very important question. Do you believe this? That is a very important question to have the correct answer to. My hope today is that if you, is that if you already do believe this, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, that even though you, if you die, you will live, and if you believe in him, that you will never die. If you do believe in this, my hope today is that, that your faith is strengthened. You believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and, and, and you already believe this, and this is your faith. I, I pray that you are strengthened to go out and live that stronger today than you ever have. But if you haven't, I pray today is the day, like I just prayed literally, is the day of salvation for you. If, you. if you're here today and you just don't, you've never come to that place where the Holy Spirit says, you're a sinner and you need me, I pray today is the day that you will make that proclamation to the world and begin living for Christ. There's not a better thing that you could ever possibly do, and we'll definitely celebrate it with you if that is today. So I, that is my hope. That is the reason we're preaching, pre preaching this message today. That is the point of it, that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God the Messiah, the one who has come to save the world, and that through believing you will receive resurrection, eternal life. It is a wonderful, wonderful truth, and we're going to dig into it. So where are we? We always try to give context and, and, and have kind of feelers on where we are uh, when, you're, when you're looking at Scripture because that is very important. Context is key. You can't just yank it out and then make it say whatever you want it to say. So what's going on here? Where are we in all of this? The last three statements that we looked at 
all happened within a relative short time period. We talked about that every week. If you've missed any of those, they're, they're always on fbcdan.com. You can go back and listen to those and watch those there. It was one long conversation, those three statements, statements two, three, and four. One long conversation with some miracles thrown in, and then we skipped to the end of that conversation, and, and where, we, where we left off two weeks ago, we skipped over the end of that conversation where we left off two weeks ago, where Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. That conversation continued, and it ended with the Jews wanting to stone Jesus. They literally picked up rocks and were ready to throw them at him and kill him. So, as anybody would do that has any sense, Jesus got out of there. He left Jerusalem. It was not time for his sacrificial death, and therefore he left Jerusalem. And he went to, uh, excuse me, Bethany. A different Bethany than where we're going to pick up Bethany in this story. There's two Bethanies. There's Bethany right close to Jerusalem, the capital city, and there's Bethany about 20 miles away across the Jordan in a different region. That's where he goes. He gets good and far away from Jerusalem because they want to kill him, and he doesn't want to die yet. He doesn't want to die at all, but he ends up having to, right? So, I want to chase any rabbits. <laughs> That's where Jesus is. That's where Jesus is. And through those miracles and through those statements, many people have come to believe in him. Through these recent words of his, these recent signs that he had performed, many people had come to believe him, and then now he has left because they are wanting to kill him. And that's where we're picking it up in chapter 11 today. So go, if you're still in, go to the beginning of chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 1. So a little bit of time has passed. We're not sure how much time, but some time has passed. It says, now man was sick, Lazarus. From Bethany, the Bethany close to Jerusalem, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with hair. I'm going to stop there and, and just take a quick detour. Uh, John hasn't even said that this has happened in his gospel yet. He says it coming up. John does not worry about chronology in his gospel. He ain't worried about telling you like in order of the, how it happened. He's just telling you what happened. And, and he assumes that they have already heard about what had happened. And so just keep that in mind when you read John. It's not like the other, Luke is like sequential. John is like all over the place. I'm trying to tell you something, and I'm going to use everything I can to tell you something. So done with that. Fragrant oil wiped his feet with her hair, and it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sisters sent a message to him, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, that's a pretty cool title. I would like that to be my title. I'd like to be the one that Jesus loved. I mean, that's pretty cool. Uh, so who are these girls? Who are these ladies? Who are these women? Uh, many of you know, but you, you may not. There, there's other parts of the Gospels that talk about these two ladies and things that happened. And sometimes one of them gets a little bit of a bad rap. Maybe we can clear that up a little bit today. So in Luke chapter 10, talking about Mary and Martha, Luke tells us a little bit about what happened with them. It says, in verse 38, chapter 10, while they were traveling, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give, get up and give me a hand. Lord, Tell her to get up and help 
me. I'm trying to prepare a meal here. I invited you guys in to give you a meal, and all she's doing is sitting around listening to you talk. I'm doing all the work. She ain't doing squat. Will you please tell her to get up and help me? And the Lord said in verse 41, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. That's some of us here today, worried and upset about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will, be not, and it will not be taken away from her. Martha, Mary's spending time with me. That's more important than any earthly task that you could be doing right now. Anything you could be putting in front of that is not more important than spending time with me, Jesus is saying. Now, many get the impression from this, myself included for a long time, that Jesus favored Mary over Martha because of the things said here in this, these moments. And I know some Marthas here today who can kind of get discouraged by this story sometimes. You kind of get discouraged because it's like, you know, I'm just trying to serve. I'm just trying to serve. And I don't feel like anybody's helping me serve. And I'm just trying to serve. And you can almost get that point the finger attitude. And you can get discouraged. And, you, and you're thinking, God, does Jesus not want me to do the things that I'm doing? Would he rather me just sit there at his feet? It, it, it's, it's, a difficult, it's a tension there. Some of you are sitting here this morning. And this story brings out a tension in you because you're a doer. You're a servant. Well, let's go back to Luke where we were. Or back to John where we were, excuse me. When Jesus heard it, he said, heard the news about his friend being sick. This sickness will not end in death, but it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after that, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. Did you catch that in there? Did you catch it? Who did he name? Who did John name when he was quoting Jesus? Now Jesus loved who? Martha and her sister. Not Mary and her sister. I don't, I don't think that's on accident. I really, because I don't think anything in here is on accident. I don't think that's on accident. Just like when, when Peter had kind of messed up, not kind of, Peter blew it. Martha kind of messed up. Peter blew it. When he had blown it, Jesus comes back to him personally. It, he says, Go and tell the disciples and Peter. He names him personally. Same thing here. Martha. That's who Jesus loved. Martha and her sister. I don't know. That's not a whole lot of a point of what we're making today. But I just felt like we were supposed to point that out today. So that if, if, if there is a Martha here, that you're a little encouraged today to know that it's okay. Just hang in there. Your work is important. The work you're doing is important. You've been given the servant's heart to complete your work. Just don't chastise the Marys out there that expend their gifts in different ways. And then a little bit down from that, he says, so when Jesus heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. He loves Mary. He loves Martha. He loves Lazarus. He finds out he's sick, and then he stays two more days? It's such a strange thing in and of itself. I mean, Zach, if you told me you were sick, and you needed me, I'd just come to you. I wouldn't wait two days. You ever thought about it? I mean, what is Jesus doing? He waits two more days? Why is he waiting two more days? I don't understand. It's a very unexpected reaction to the news that someone you love 
is sick, especially when you have the power to heal said someone that you love from said sickness. So they wait. And then he leaves back to go to Judea. Let, let's make this 20-mile trip back to Judea. Rabbi, the disciples told him in verse 8, just now the Jews tried to stone you, and you're going there again? So we know not a whole lot of time has passed between where we left off two weeks ago and where we're picking up today. They're like, whoa, Jesus, what are you talking about? Go back to Bethany. I'm not sure that's a good idea. I mean, to go to Bethany, we have to go through Jerusalem. And just in case you have forgotten, the last time we were there, they um, picked up rocks and planned on chucking them at you repeatedly until you died. So, you sure you want to go back that way? Are you sure? Seems like a reasonable response to me. I mean, we're on this side of everything, so it's easy to skip over those types of things and miss the human element of that, but that probably would have been your response in the situation. Whoa, they just said he's sick, Jesus. Like, chill out, bro. Like, we don't need to go back through the stoning areas, the places where they want to kill you. Like, we're chilling out here in, you know, across the Jordan. Everything's fine here. We're comfortable here. We're safe here, Jesus. Why would we go back into danger seems like a reasonable response that they, that they give him and then jesus says hey you've got me with you the light of the world the verses that are continuing we'll be okay our friend lazarus has fallen asleep but i'm gonna go wake him up and then they say well lord if he's falling asleep then he's getting better right i mean if you're sick and you go to sleep you get better when you rest, right? Isn't that what we tell you? You need to rest. You're sick. You need to rest. And that's what the disciples say. How, how do you know that these words that are written in these documents that we now have together in a, in a group called the Bible, how do you know it's real? Because just read it. Like, if I were a disciple writing a gospel, I wouldn't put stuff in there like that about how I was scared and how I was too stupid to realize that when Jesus said he had fallen asleep and then he had died, right? Jesus says... Or they say, Lord, he's falling asleep. He, he's going to get well. He, he's good. He, he's resting. He'll get better. No reason to go back that way. We're safe. We are comfortable right here where we are. Aren't we, Jesus? Why would we do that? You can't possibly want us to go where it might be unsafe. Do you, Jesus? Where, where it's uncomfortable. You don't want us to do that, do you? We're good right here. Jesus, I mean, here's the trump card. You ready? I mean, it's wise for us to stay here, Jesus, where it's safe, where it won't cost us anything, where we can't be hurt. But remember what Jesus said at the beginning of this little, of this little escapade. When he received the news from the messenger, what did he say in those first few verses? He said, this sickness will not end in death, but in but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. See, I'm convinced that most of us in our lives don't see the glory of God because we're too busy being safe and we're too busy being comfortable. 
I'm convinced that most of us don't experience a great move of God in our personal lives, a, a tangible presence of the Holy Spirit moving and working and doing miraculous things because it's a few miles away. Because it would cost us a little comfort. Because it looks dangerous. And, and, and it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That can't be what Jesus is asking me to do. It doesn't make sense. Read the scriptures. Most of the time, it doesn't make sense on this side of what Jesus is calling you to do. Most of the time. God, send us revival. Send us revival. But we don't want to knock on our neighbor's door to help revival take place. God, send us revival. Send us revival, God. But we're too busy to experience fellowship even with each other. God, do a mighty work in my life, but do it on my schedule, at my location, at my level of risk management, at my level of comfort. I mean, Jesus, he'll be all right. He's resting. Surely everything's fine. We can move on if y'all want to. So Jesus then told them plainly, don't you ever wish Jesus would just tell you plainly? <laughs> I, I do. Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe. But let's go to him. Jesus says, he's dead, you blockheads. He's not resting because he's sick. He's dead. They're lost and hurting and dying around you every day. Are we doing anything about it? Or are we just sitting back where we're comfortable and safe? Hmm. Move on, preacher. Yes, sir. Verse 6. Then Thomas said to his fellow disciples, Let's go see. Let's go see that. <coughs> Excuse me. Let's go so that we may die with him. Now, Thomas gets a bad rap as the doubter, right? He's the one at the end, like, I ain't going to believe it unless I see him. All right, and we, and we kind of trash on Thomas a little bit. But anybody that can use sarcasm this well but still be willing to go and do with Jesus, I'm a fan of. I'm a fan of this, Thomas. <laughs> All right, let's, let's go die with him because that's what's going to happen when we go through Jerusalem on the way to Bethany. But hey, Jesus is telling us to go, so we'll just go die. Sounds like a blast. Jesus, couldn't you have a different plan, man? When Jesus arrived, verse 17, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Jesus gets the news from the messenger and then waits two days and then travels to Bethany, which takes about two days at a decently comfortable pace. That means the messenger left when Lazarus was sick, most likely made the two-day journey in a day because he probably hurried because he was probably told to hurry, makes that journey in a day, made it to Jesus and told him he was sick and that day is the day that Lazarus died. 
because it's now been four days. Now, the fact that Lazarus has died and it's been four days, and Bethany, where they are, is so close to Jerusalem, a lot of people have gone to comfort them. That's what we do, right, in the face of tragedy. We don't know what to do besides show up. That's the same thing they did back then. It was actually like the normal ritual. You just showed up at their house. And the Jews had this down pretty good. You didn't really say a whole lot, which is usually the best thing in those type of situations. Literally, the people that were closest to the person that passed would sit, and then the people would come to them. Most of them wouldn't say anything. They would just sit around, be quiet, and when the person cried, they cried. When the person groaned, they groaned. I don't know if you've ever been in part of experiencing things like that. I have more than once in my life where words don't do any good. But just being there and your groanings and my groanings and our groanings somehow help. Somehow the Holy Spirit uses that to help. Well, that's, that's where they're at right now in the story. Some Jews, a bunch of Jews have showed up to this situation. That's what it looked like in their day for this to take place. So in verse 20, as soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming... She went to meet him, but Mary remained seated in the house. The custom was that the people in mourning stayed put, and the guests came to them. Mary stays seated in the house, but Martha, oh Martha, she's raring to go. She's raring to go. Is she, is she confused about what's happened and wants to address it with Jesus? Is she upset with Jesus? Is she at the same time happy to see Jesus? Yes. I think those are the answers. We don't get those answers, but I think those are the answers. Verse 21, then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Yet, even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus, if you just would have come when we asked you to come, if you just would have shown up when we asked you to show up, Jesus, we told you he was sick and we needed you, but you didn't come. But if you just would have come, everything would have been all right. But even though you didn't come, I still know you can do all things. But I'm hurting right now, Jesus. I'm a little aggravated at you, to be perfectly honest. She's grieving. She's struggling. She wasn't sitting and waiting for him to come to her. She went to him. She's frustrated. Jesus says, your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Martha said, I know that. I don't know if she said it that way, but that's the way I interpret it. I know that. I know he's going to rise again. I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I know that. Jesus, that doesn't help me right now. I don't, I miss him right now. I want him here right now. And you could have fixed that. But for some reason you didn't. I'm hurting now. I miss my brother right here and right now. And then Jesus hits her with what we started with. Says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die, ever. Do you believe this we're back to that question again i am the resurrection and the life his body his body may die but his spirit 
is still alive right now. And anyone else who believes in me, that's going to be the same case. Even if he dies, he will live. And if you live in me, if you're alive when I return, you'll never die, ever. You won't have to experience it. Either way, whether you're alive when I come back or whether you fall asleep until I come back, either way, the resurrected body at Christ's return, this heavenly, glorified, sinless body instead of this sinful body we are currently in, this incorruptible body will never die because I am the resurrection and the life. Not just that I can cause resurrection, I am the resurrection. Jesus is like, death, listen, death is the enemy. Death is the enemy of this world. That, it is the problem. It's not natural, no matter how many psychologists tell you, hey, it's just a natural part of life. No, it's not. It's not the way it's intended to be. That's why we grieve. Because we know, because eternity is in our hearts. And when someone dies, we know that's not the way it's supposed to be. And that's where they're at. And Jesus says, hey, <laughs> I'm doing something about this. I'm doing something about this. Just, you just got to trust me. I'm just going to prove it. The enemy has been and will be revealed to be defeated by Jesus. He paid for sin with his blood. That means no one has to die anymore, spiritually speaking. Physically, our bodies will rest, the New Testament calls it. Spiritually, no one will die anymore that comes to faith in Christ. And eventually, we'll be resurrected and never experience death again. The Lord will resurrect all whom have been given to him. All who have faith in him will have death no more, ever, ever again. That's what Jesus is saying here. And then he says, do you believe? Do you believe, Martha? And what does Martha say? Yes, Lord. I believe. You are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. Yes, Lord, I do. I believe you're the Son of God. I do. I do. I do. This is the entire point of John's Gospel. How do I know that? How do I know that? Because he tells us, like a good author, if you go to the end of John, chapter 20, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And by believing, you may have life in his name. It's the entire point that sin and death can be defeated. It's the whole point of all of this. What does Martha then do? She goes to Mary. Hey, Mary, in private. The other people can't hear this. Hey, Jesus, Jesus is here, and he, and he wants to see you. So Mary goes out to meet him where Jesus met Martha. Remember, he hasn't come to the house. She goes out and meets him away from the house where Martha met him, and Mary's there. And the people that are grieving because they don't hear what Martha says to Mary, they assume she's just getting up and going to the tomb to weep and to wail and to grieve, and they're going to go with her and be there and be part of that with her. So the people that are there crowded into this house, they follow her, out to Jesus. She gets to Jesus and has a similar yet different response to Jesus that her sister did. Verse 32, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She falls at his feet. It's a sign of worship. She's grieving. She's hurting. She's confused. 
still worships Jesus. She still falls at his feet. Have you ever fallen at the feet of Jesus? Lord, if only, Lord, if only you had been here, she cries out. Have you ever cried out to Jesus? It's an important question. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her crying and the Jews had come with her crying, he was angry in his spirit and deeply moved. I like this part of Jesus, don't you? Makes me feel a little better about myself sometimes. He's angry. You ever thought about Jesus being angry? Or do you believe this bump junk that the world has said Jesus is? Some kind of pacifist sissy or something. Jesus is angry in his spirit. He's deeply moved. At what? At death. He's mad at death. He's angry and deeply moved about death and the destruction that it causes. And he's mad at sin and the hurt and pain it causes. Quick side note. I'm losing some of you because I know it's warm in here today. That's what sin does. It causes pain and suffering in the lives of those around you. It's not something that we can play with. It's not something that you find out how far you can go. It's something that we should stay away from. I'm going to use an unpopular word in today's church. We're supposed to be holy, set apart, not desiring those types of things, not spending our time with those types of things. What are we doing wasting our time in sin? Jesus is mad and deeply moved at sin. He don't play around with it because he knows what it cost. It cost him everything. So Jesus says, where is he? He's deeply moved. He says, where is he? He's over here. He's over here. And they go over there. And then you get this verse. Two-word verse. Two words in the Greek. Two words in English. Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. I don't know. I don't think about Jesus crying very often. The word used here is not the same word that's used for Martha and Mary and the people around them that they're crying. It's a different word. It's a different kind of crying that Jesus does. Not the crying and weeping that Mary and Martha are doing, that the others are doing. There's, there's, they were crying at loss. They, they, were, they were crying over the death of a loved one. They were mourning, in other words. The word there is dakro, that Jesus does. It means to weep, it means to shed tears. Their word is claro, to mourn, to weep, lament. Weeping is a sign of pain, and a sign of grief. Mourning is for the dead. It's, it's that type of crying. Jesus is not crying like that. Jesus has tears pour out of his eyes because he's fully human. And the anger and the pain that he feels at the hurt and the grief that sin and death cause is why he's crying. Not because Lazarus is dead. He's got that part under control. But he still feels what it feels like to feel that, to feel that pain, to feel that suffering. I don't know, it might have looked something like this. I don't, and I'm not trying to be funny. It might have looked something like this. This is Nick Sirianni at the Super Bowl last year when Chris Stapleton was singing the national anthem. And if you heard that and it didn't move your tears, 
something wrong with you. You just say it. It's not a weeping and a wailing. It's just when the tears just flood out of your face. That's, what, that's the way I picture it here with Jesus. Jesus wept. Not because Lazarus is dead. As God the Son, he's got that under control. But as Jesus the man, sin and death and pain and grief, they hurt. And he felt that. That's why Hebrews 4 says it like this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to the confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. Jesus understands. He knows exactly how it feels to be us. He gets it. What a God. What a God. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, couldn't he have opened him? If he opened the blind man's eyes, couldn't he have saved this dude from dying? The Jews don't get it, as usual. Same song, different verse. Oh, the first ones they say, oh, he loved little Lazzy, right? We want to say it in my accent. <laughs> he loved little Lazzy so much, he misses him. Hmm, that's why he's crying. <clears throat> Wrong. That's not why he's crying. They say, hey, he gave a dude sight. Couldn't he have saved the dude's life? After all, he loved this guy. Couldn't he have shown up and saved this guy? In other words, why is he crying that Lazarus is gone if he could have saved him? Well, he's not crying that Lazarus is gone. He's crying at the hurt and pain and suffering around him that sin and death causes. He's not weeping at the human condition and the pain it causes. He, feel, he is weeping at the human condition and the pain and the suffering that it causes. He feels that. So now he can sympathize with you and with me. Amazing, amazing. I challenge you to go find a God and all the myths and all the religions out there that can do that. You won't find another one. It doesn't exist. Verse 38, that Jesus, angering himself again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, he's already decaying. It's been four days. One, two, three, four. That's a lot. The same Martha that just said, what'd she say? Yes, Lord, I believe. I believe. I believe you're the Messiah, the Son of God. I believe you're the one that God the Father sent. Now says, whoa, wait, Lord. Been four days. He's decaying. He's going to stink. What are you doing? She believes. Catch this. But she doesn't understand. You ever been there? <laughs> you ever been there? I follow Jesus. I believe. Lots of times I don't understand. I don't understand. It's a real person that we're talking about here. She believes. Some scholars would say, well, she, she, she believed it here, but she, you were over. I don't know about all that. All I know is that she seems human to me. I think she believes in Jesus, but she just doesn't understand what he's doing. Don't take away the stone. My brother stinks. He's dying. He's dead. He's decaying. No. What are you doing? We're all going to be defiled. We can't touch a dead body. She doesn't understand. So they were, remove the stone. Well, first, Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? See, there it is again. You want to see the glory of God? 
get out of your box. Get out of your box. Get out of your comfortable box. I, w- I just wish I'd see God show up. Get out of your comfortable box. Do something different. What is the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I keep going through my life. I'm in this rut. I won't go right. I won't go left. Jesus says does this. I can't go do this, but I'm going to do this. And I'm just going to, why won't God show up? Because he's telling you to do stuff and you won't go do it. That's why. Hmm. That wasn't in the notes. Coming right back. I know you want to be here forever. So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, he prays out loud, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this. I'm not saying this because I need to say it. I'm saying it so they know what's happening. So they may believe that you sent me. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Now, did he yell that because Lazarus needed to hear him? I don't think so. I don't think you can only yell loud enough to wake up somebody that's dead. Just saying. Why did he yell? Because there's a crowd. He wants to make plain and sure everybody knows why this dude is fixing to walk out of that tomb that was dead, but now he's not. He wants to make sure they know he is the reason. Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, bound hand and foot with linen strips with his face wrapped in the cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. It's a foreshadowing of what Jesus Jesus is about to do. But Jesus didn't have to be loosed. Jesus didn't have a face covering still on him when he woke up. When God the Father resurrected him from the dead, somehow the grave clothes just stayed there and his face covering was neatly folded and placed to the side. There's there's a lot there. I'm not going to go there, but there's a lot there. What happens because of all this? Verse 45, that's where we'll finish. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he did believed in him. And we'll finish like this. We'll finish like this. Do you believe? Let's answer that question today. Like Tony Evans says, you go to a great restaurant, and I know you're hungry, and so am I. And mentioning food at this point in the message is a good way to get you to not listen to me, but please stay here. When you go to a good restaurant, right, and you're looking at the menu, and the waiter or the waitress comes up and says, you say, hey, what's good here? And start explaining it. Well, here we've got the uh, garlic butter steak. Right? Oh, yeah, see? Mm, now you're with me. Your mouth starts watering, Right? And, and, and they say, you know, here's our, our menu options, and here's our drink options, and here's our appetizer options. Here's, here's what we're known for. Here's what we have awards for. Here's what you ought to order. And you're just sitting there, it's like, oh, this sounds so good. I can picture this steak in my mind. I can see it. Oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be so good. And then you get up, and you leave the restaurant. That's what happens in here, a lot. People come, they show up. Ah, yeah, Jesus, Mm. son of God, cool. He loves me, all right. And then you leave. 
still hungry and unsatisfied. Makes about as much sense as going to a restaurant, hearing how great it is, and then not eating. That's what he means. That's why he says you, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. You got to take him in. We got to take him in. And when we do that, he changes us and he changes everything about us. It's more than just showing up here and checking off a box that you did something religious, that you did something that makes you feel good. Yes, we should come here, and yes, we should experience God, but it's more than just coming to church on Sundays. This is like a cherry on top. I look forward to this. And there's ministry that takes place during this, and when we pray together and we sing together, it's great. But there's a whole lot of opportunities out there for us to be doing things that Jesus is calling us to do, and it may be uncomfortable, and it may be unsafe, it might be dangerous. It's definitely not going to be when you want it, how you want it, or where you want it, but it's going to be what's best. It's going to be what's best. Don't just read the menu. Order something and eat. Experience Him. Enjoy Him. Spend time with Him. Let's move past. Yeah. Jesus, that sounds cool. And let's do things that actually make a difference here. That's what he wants us to do. Otherwise, we'd just go to heaven as soon as we believe. But we don't. Time to get serious, church. Time to get serious. It's been past time to get serious. In my life and in your life and in this collective body of believers' lives. Time to get serious. If he's the resurrection and the life, if he's conquered and defeated death, what do we got to be worried about? If you haven't ever come to the point where you, where you fall at his feet and cry out, I'm a sinner, I need you, that should be today. We can do it during this song. Father, I come to you and I thank you and I love you. Lord, I pray that you would move during these final moments and that whatever you want done will be done, God, that we'd be obedient to the call that you're placing on our hearts during this time. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.